Welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. We are in Exodus chapter 7 today, and it's always good to have you and have you follow along here as we venture through this, uh, through this amazing book. You know, I can't remember if I mentioned before, but what the name Exodus means, at least if you were to translate it in the Greek, uh, the, the Greek word for Exodus means to depart. And, and so that's exactly what, what it is. It's a departure that's about to come. But there had to be a preparation before departure. And this is what God's doing. We are seeing the preparation for the Exodus that we've come to this point in chapter 7. From the first few chapters, you know, God was speaking to Moses and called him and he said that I'm choosing you and I'm also going to use your brother Aaron to, to be a leader amongst my people to lead them out of Egypt into the promised land which I had promised to them through, their, through the father Abraham. And Moses was definitely a part of that. Moses was part of what would be considered the uh, from the tribe of Levi, which was a Levitical priesthood. And Aaron was a great high priest as, as time went on. Okay, So we have the Exodus about to begin. But again, but before the Exodus could happen, there had to be some, some activities to take place. And these activities had to start in the ways of plagues. And these plagues had to hit uh, the kingdom because of the stubbornness and the hardened heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't really know God, nor did he fear God. So Moses was going to be the spokesman. And that's really all he was. Moses was a spokesman. But God was going to use him for much mightier things as time went on. But again, the first step was to speak to the Pharaoh. The first step was to make the Pharaoh know, know who God was, the creator of all things, people, and atmosphere. And, and so Moses had a task ahead of him. And so he, God had spoke to Moses saying, I'm going to be with you. He had to remind him, I believe, seven times. Because Moses was very reluctant. If you look back in some of the other chapters that I read, um, I believe one of them was called the reluctant candidate, which was exactly what Moses was. I am not equipped to be this person. Do you know? Don't choose somebody else, not me, God. You know. And I think we all get to that point at times when we've been called to do something. And granted, what Moses was called to do was huge. But you know, again, in God's eyes, when He calls us to do anything for Him, it's a big thing. It's a great thing. And in this case, this was the beginning of the history for the Jewish people in the Exodus to make their way out of the out of the Egyptian kingdom where they were living for four hundred and some years now. And it wasn't always that bad, okay? When they were living there in, in the Egyptian kingdom during the time of Joseph and the end of Genesis, it wasn't really all that bad. They had the prime land, and then the you know they were growing there; they were flourishing. But as time went on, you know, pharaohs had come and gone. But this particular one that we have here had a fear and a hatred for the Jewish people, for the Hebrews. They were getting a little too big. They were, they were uh, populating a little too much. And the pharaoh did not like that one bit. So he decided to uh, go ahead and enslave them and to abuse them. And then even went as far as to making sure that, uh, that male children, any more male children that were born were to be killed. They were to be drowned in the Nile River. But that didn't happen either. He failed at that. So they continued to grow. And finally, Moses, who was able to flee the kingdom, who was a part of the Egyptian kingdom for 40 years, was able to flee was chosen to return. He was chosen to return to the place that he ran away from. 
And at times we are called to do that as well. Sometimes we are called to to return to something to face. And so when God is with you, then everything is going to be just fine. And that's what he reminded Moses. And I'd like to think that, you know what, he does the same thing with every one of us. Now, we're going we're gonna to take a look here at some of these first plagues here. It's really something. Uh, because, again, people don't always believe that this really happened. There's been such speculation. But again, if God said it happened, it happened. But I want to remind us, too, that what was, what was interesting was is that there was a piece of papyrus that was found in the late 1800s by archaeologists. And on this piece of papyrus, it was written by an unknown sage, which was a... Uh, uh, sages were kind of like wisdom teachers, philosophy teachers of the ancient days in the East. And this uh, sage had written down all of the events that were happening... In the, home, in the land there of the plagues. And so this was a piece of archaeology that was found, written by a random citizen, writing down everything that was happening in, in this form of shock. So we had, we had writings that, that proved that these things happened by the people that lived there. But again, we serve an amazing God. And I remind us these things that when we read about these, what we're going to read about, it's not that that God is this unmerciful um, God that wants to punish people. He's a loving God who wants to show us in the world who he really is, but he's not going to stand for the abuse of, of other people onto his people, or anybody for that matter, because God is perfect and just. Now, if you have a Bible, take a look here. We're going to be in chapter 7 of Exodus, as I'll start us off in verse 1 through 7. It says... So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out my children, or the children of Israel from among them, then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old, when they spoke to Pharaoh. Now, we can never say that we're too old to be used by God in ministry. Moses was 80 and Aaron was 83 at this time when they were both called. And as God to Pharaoh, the Lord made Moses. And remember in previous chapters, I made known that Pharaoh believed that he was a descendant to the sun god. Well, there is no sun god. In fact, Pharaoh will meet the creator of the sun, the earth, and himself... And, and as impressive as the sun is, all that is is just a tip of what God created in our, in our universe. M- Moses will get to be the, representa- or the representative of the creator. Because our God is mightier than we can imagine. Because we still have not discovered all of the universe's creation. In fact, we're in the year of 2018. And as I'm, as I'm reading this, right? And scientists and astrophysics experts admit to this day that 95% of the universe is undiscovered. 
All that we ever hear about is a mere 5%. And I've said before, I've said before that we shouldn't have to hit rock bottom in order to know God or have a relationship with Him. But He he will allow it if we continue to to defy Him. See, righteous judgment is what God brings when He reveals Himself in those around those around who say, I don't care about you or your ways. <laughs> the, the Pharaoh was a hard person. And hard measures are what, it's what gets their attention. But this Pharaoh was a different breed because as he hardened his own heart, you know, uh, God continued to harden the Pharaoh's heart more. And God help us today as well because as, as many disregard what God says and what God implements in his ways for the, uh, for the best of mankind... The Lord was making himself known for invitation. He's been doing that ever since. And after observing this, I understand the wisdom spoken about the fear of God. But there's an even bigger fear. And that is the fear of being without God. Because there is a well-known scripture in the book of Romans, chapter 1, that says, God gave people up to their uncleanliness. In the lust of their hearts, and though they did not like to retain their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. And I say God help us because this was a blatant choice. God does not create robots to love and follow him. There was free will involved in in, in why these things happen. It's bad enough when people say, oh, I I do not believe in in God for whatever reasons, but to, to know he exists... And to blaspheme him and his name is asking for calamity and turmoil in life. The last thing we should ever want to hear is, is they, they will know that I am the Lord by stretching out his hand and dealing with blasphemy. That's the last thing you want to hear. But again, to see this in its context, it's not making God out to be of wrath, but a God who gives opportunity after opportunity, right? Can you remember pushing the buttons of your parents, or better yet, you know, your children challenging you if you have children? Uh, we at times do not give the long-suffering and grace that God gives for much worse. But as time goes on, I see that God allows us to have children so we get a better understanding of what he goes through with millions upon millions of his children for thousands of years. And that's why I say I must say that he is beyond the most loving of people. I'll always make that known because no better father than God, right? (laughs) His mercy and grace goes beyond any of us put together. But we don't want to take advantage of that. You know, and I say again, because when we look at the Pharaoh, what an example of what not to be. Take a look with me at verses 8 to 13. And then it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves. And then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into the Pharaoh, and they did just so, just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men of the sorcerers, um, so the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. Man, I tell you, you know, many have questioned how did the Egyptians have the ability to turn their rod into into a serpent. And the answer is quite simple. Satanic abilities. 
The Egyptian culture was well known for underworld gods that they worshipped and relied on. Okay, death cults and other things that were found in documents and other proofs that were left behind. And if if you've ever observed places where God was not known, you can see where pestilence and other problems have come into play. This was around. This was around one of the uh, of what Pharaoh will see. This was round one of what Pharaoh will see in the power of God, because these magicians, so-called wise men, came in numbers and threw down their rods and became serpents. But the one rod of Aaron ate all of them up, and, and this was indication number one of the defeat of the Pharaoh and his might and his abilities will be eaten up. And magic and forms of sorcery are very attractive to people. And unfortunately, the ancient Egyptians were very much into that. But it's a form of power. It's a form of power and can strike fear into the minds and hearts of people. And it also has the ability to attract others to have that ability. Uh, These magician men of Pharaoh were considered intelligent. But you see, they lacked wisdom. And there is a difference between intelligence and wisdom. Okay, so I'm going to give an example. The, the book of Second Timothy in chapter 3, verse 7 through 9 says, Of those always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, as, as uh, Jonas and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So Paul the Apostle was giving an example of these um, figures here, of these two names. And Pharaoh was focusing solely on the miracles over that of the message. Jesus told the people who were questioning him to show them a miracle back when he was there, right? When Jesus was around, Jesus said the same thing. Who were questioning him? Show, show me a miracle. And he said, I will not show you such thing. As he, as he referred to them as a perverse generation. Because miracles from God will not contradict the teaching of his word. Satan has fooled many. And, and has the ability to perform things of the supernatural. And yes, miracles were used to help people or to bring them into a relationship and a belief of God. But it should never be the thing that we rely on alone. Because this shows the stubborn hardening of the Pharaoh. And I would think that the, the most normal people would have seen this event and said, Okay, release the people. Listen to Moses and, and I may even help uh, offer some help with you all after seeing this. But no, that didn't happen. He worsened his condition, the Pharaoh did, and called God. And God called the people of Israel later on stiff-necked. He called them that as a way of stubbornness. And if you've, if you've ever lived long enough, you can see that stiff necks are the first to get broken versus those who are willing to turn uh, by the steering of, of an all-knowing and loving God. And that's what God called his own people as time went on as they were getting stubborn. There are people on earth that you just do not want to mess with due to particular skills, connections, or power. But they don't even come close to the power and abilities of God. So why challenge him is baffling because it's a battle no one will ever win. And if it looks like you won, you lost because, because they were given into the darkness that they wanted. That's the problem. Now as we continue here, it gets even better in verse 14 to 18. And it says, So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning, and when he goes out to, to the water, and you shall stand by the river's banks to meet him. 
And the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die, the river shall stink, and the Egyptians will, will loathe to drink the water of the river. Now, this was plague number one. And, and by rights, it should have never gone to, to number two. But you see, the Nile River turning into blood, should have, that should have done it. That had to freak people out even more so and, and put into panic mode due to the, uh, to the river Nile was the main water source in the region. And one of the worst forms of siege warfare or any form of tampering was messing with a region's water source. And blood and water are, are representations of life in the body. And as it exits the body, it was a representation of a form of death or dying. And the biggest fear in cities was their water source being messed with or poison. That was always the case, typically, but blood, okay? Blood was another story. Is 100% of the water is completely useless. And on top of it, it became a vile scent. And Moses was blamed by the Jews for causing more work for uh, for them when he asked Pharaoh when he was asking the Pharaoh to release them. Now this had to make the Egyptians question their leader, right? This was his doing technically, but no one can create water, nor can anybody create blood. No one can create fish. They can they can help breed them, but the source of all life just turned your means of survival into blood. And, and what is unknown is it said that the, the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water. It, it didn't say anything in regards to the Israelites, because I, I read from a New King James Version. And, and to loathe means to uh, dislike to something of disgust. And we never seen that. The, the Israelites were affected uh, by it. It only mentioned the Egyptians for the most part. Now, the, the Israelites had to have probably dealt with a lot of things, but it speaks mostly of the Egyptians being affected. And we see things happening around the nation or around the world. And the children of the Lord are within the safety and the hands of God. As we see, as we see the plagues that will hit... I just want to make known, I want to make known now that we, we never see the people of God affected by the plagues yet. They were in the same land relying on the same provisions. But it's funny how that happens. You know, years of hearing this event, times, uh, you know, the times of teaching about this event, and the Lord reveals some important aspects of his hand and provisions. This was just something that came to mind to me. But because, you see, God is good all the time. And I have heard so many stories of times when people were at the border of death's door, and yet God kept them, right? I'll never forget a story from a handful of one of my pastor teachers. He told a story about a horrible car accident that ripped his car in half on a freeway. And he jumped out of his car and tumbled on the ground. As he was tumbling on the, on the ground, a car behind him stopped with its tire inches away from his face. And and this was just uh, one of three to four stories that uh, that uh, that he told from these forms of amazing grace, savings from the Lord, and the people of Israel were in the same amazing grace.
this pastor teacher of mine was telling other stories of things that that happened to him that he should have been gone on a handful of occasions. And and the people of the the Israelites here were seeing the same thing at times throughout the, throughout the years. The Egyptians were cruel to the people. They they did nothing to deserve the enslavery and punishment they endured. You know, they multiplied in number and and that was a problem to the Pharaoh. They showed power and potential in many aspects. That was a problem to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh showed hatred to them. That was a problem to God. Okay, shedding the the blood of the innocent flowed right into the life source of water that they solely relied on. Yet we never seen an Israelite die of thirst. But it continues to get more interesting, right? As, As we take a look here in verse 19. And it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died, the river stank, and the Egyptians uh, could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Then the magicians of, of Egypt did so with their enchantments and the Pharaoh's heart grew hard and did not heed them. As the Lord had said, and Pharaoh turned and went into his house... And neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. So we, we see the evil abilities of the Egyptian magicians. It's relevant that the power of Satan was in the men of Pharaoh. You turned our water into blood, we will too. You know, power and abilities were there, but obviously not any wisdom or sense. God is, Egypt is, God does these amazing things. And the people, the people think they could outdo him, or, or, or at least match up to him at least. Because Egypt is a large country. And the Nile actually stretches for about 3,000 miles through Egypt and other countries. See, the majority of populated areas lived along the river of the Nile River. And without the Nile River, Egypt could not have existed with people. And, and they're going to learn, without God, none of this would exist. The ten plagues that were directed towards, uh, towards them were, uh, were towards the, the gods they worshipped in Egypt. The Nile had a few different gods that they worshipped. And uh, the one that was the guardian of the Nile was called Num. Uh, it was spelled K-N-U-M. Perhaps the, uh, the Egyptians thought he, that he was away when this happened. I don't know. But they had, they had a guardian god of the Nile that they worshipped. He never existed. Because every plague will be an attack to show that all the gods they were, that created were fables. And I've said before that these places would have them carved from wood or stone. And I'll repeat myself that if you have to create or protect a god, then you should really wake up and observe you know, this event in the Bible. 
If you have a if you have a God that you had to create and protect, then what in the world are, are you doing? You know, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and wisdom the Pharaoh did not have. Like that of the pharaohs before him we've seen in Genesis. They seem to have a fear of God, which was the beginning of wisdom. This one didn't. And praise God. Praise the Creator. Praise the one who allows all things to live and exist. Praise God because he is a loving father who was willing to reveal himself. This may not have been you know, how one would want to meet God in his existence through plagues, but he wanted to show even the Egyptians that he exists. And that he loves them but too, but was, but was not about to tolerate hatred and abuse. God is just. In fact, if the, Israel, if the Israelites were abusing people, God would deal with them as he did if you have gone through the whole Bible, right? I mean, when, when his people weren't doing, uh, weren't doing right, he dealt with them as well. God does not put up with wrong from anybody. But God would deal with them because they were chosen as his nation and his people. But, you know, being perfect and just, he would not tolerate them being like that of, the, of ancient Egypt. And praise him because years later, the church came. And is, uh, it was referred to as the Coptic church in Egypt. And, uh, you know... This is proof that God, that even in Egypt, God is amongst their people for those who have chosen him. And it's called the Coptic Church. Remember his love. Remember his mercy for, for all people in all places. He allows ten plagues in Egypt and, and will bring ten commandments in, in the near future to his people. So... Why so they could, you know, why so they could go uh, know God, right, and how to please Him while living on earth with the greatest quality of life? We will get there soon in a few more chapters, but the here and now as well as the future is in the hands of the same God that we're reading about right now from some thousands of years ago. And I want to remind you of the greatest gift of grace that He gave us, and that was in the greatest gift of Christ Jesus. And, and may we praise God that we are here now to know that saving grace, to have the full counsel of God in that knowledge and access of that saving grace of Christ Jesus. We can see this and take it as a story of the past or we can look at it and say, I am glad I am of God and have, have received his grace and mercy through the blood of Christ. You know, they had to pay the price through the blood of the Nile River. Our Lord and Savior paid the price for His blood. And let him, let him speak to you. And may you receive Him in love and in truth. He will receive you with gladness. As the Lord has, has been waiting for you, and, is, and He's so glad. He is so glad that you came. That if you believe and feel led to receive Him as Lord and Savior... You can receive him by saying a prayer after me. It's a prayer of, of, of uh, repentance of, and, and accepting the Lord as your Lord and Savior, as your Father. To have a personal relationship with him. And I want to give that opportunity to go ahead and do that right now. If you feel led. If you feel led to take him as your Father and your Savior. If you want to, if you want to know him and to see him in heaven. He said that this had to be done. And you will get to see God this way. So I want you to say this prayer after me. Dear God.
Please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. For Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to receive me, Lord, as one of your own. As Lord, I receive you as my Father and as my Savior and my Lord. And Lord, I thank you for having me. I thank you for dying for me, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that you, that, Lord, that you would just receive me right now, Father, Lord. And receive me when my time comes, Lord, to die on earth. As I receive you, Father, right now into my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, what a blessing as always to, to be able to, to, to hear the word of God. And then to, to be able to receive the Lord as Lord and Savior. Because this is the best thing that could ever happen to you. To be able to know that you have eternal life. And the Egyptians, you know, they could have had the same opportunity. But it was a hardened heart that killed them. It was a hardened heart that caused the destruction. But God doesn't want that. So I pray that as you you continue to walk with Him, you will see more of Him in His face and His glory. So I congratulate you if you've made the wisest decision of your life to take Him as your Lord and Savior. May God bless you.